Hello everyone, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. I hope everyone has been enjoying their holidays. I am going to be updating from the book The Immortal Mage Chronicles by the author Maria Grant. I have done chapters 1 through 13. We are starting with chapter 14. I'll stay here, thanks. Zinc sits in the chair and sips on a bottle of water. His left leg is shaking up and down uncontrollably. The vision was rough. It was so graphic that he couldn't pull himself out of it at first. It felt real. He touches his chest and there's a burning sensation still present from what he had just experienced in the vision. There's about 15 people in the room, all different ages, sizes, and nationalities. They are naked, a burn mark in the middle of their chest. They are all dead. The smell is rancid, like decay. There's a figure standing in the far corner of the room. They light a match. The room goes up in smoke. Zinc was finally able to pull himself out of his vision before he couldn't breathe due to the smoke. He told all of this to Calissa and Leo, detailing what he had experienced. The room had a concrete floor, so it must have been some type of building of sorts. After telling them what he saw, they immediately sent a text to Larson. Now, they're just waiting for the man to arrive. Do you think they were mages? Leo was the first to ask. The silence in the room was beginning to slowly suffocate him. The bad people, I mean, as if Leo had to specify who he meant. Probably related to those being taken in the white van, Calissa hums as she thinks. He had a vision right before that reporter was talking. True, Leo nods, and the door opens. Thankfully, it's Larson. He has a notepad in hand and a serious expression on his face. Kids, Larson states as his form of a greeting. Detective, Zink is the one to respond. He's seen death before, but this was a massacre. I saw a room full of people all naked, with a circular burn mark in the middle of their chest. There was a figure in the corner and that person lit a match. The room went up in smoke, but the people were dead before then. Jesus, Larson whispers harshly. What did the room look like? Can you tell a location? Um, Zink closes his eyes and tries to recall the scene. There were no windows, so I can't be sure if it was day or night. The floor was made of concrete. So maybe it was a building, probably a basement. It was a large space, more than a house can normally contain. Kind of endless, industrial, probably. Good. Larson responds as he writes some more notes down. About how many? Around 15? Zing rubs his chin. I was trying to count fast, so I, I might have missed some or maybe counted too many. That's fine. Anything about the figure. 
Larson is trying to probe Zink for all the information he can get out of the team. No, too far away, Zink recalls. Or maybe they were cloaking themselves. I'm not too sure. I could tell that they were average height, though. Maybe around 5 foot 8 to 5 foot 11, that range. He got the vision after we saw the news about the missing people in a white van. Calissa blurts out. Leo bites on his bottom, bottom lip to keep his fawn expression at bay. Yeah, uh, that's when it hit, Zink agrees. In the vision, I could smell decay. They must have been dead for a while then, Larson Holmes. Interesting. I haven't heard word of any fires recently, so maybe this is something that's going to happen. Zink shrugs. It was too vague for any real information. It could be something happening now. It could be something that happened long ago, Zink admits. There's no telling. Well, anyways, Larson places his notepad in his back pocket. You gave me more information than I have before. I have a New Jersey team that I work with. I'll give them this information and I'll have them tasked with looking into the white vans. Could be people are using the sex trafficking vans as means to disguise their own crimes. Sickening. Calissa frowns. Do you have a team working on the sex trafficking? That's been a, a human issue for a while now, Larson tells her. But it's unacceptable. Calissa stomps her foot. This is an issue, period. Regardless of color status or genetic makeup, human or not. The more power a person has, the more they should be able to do something to stop this. You're right. Larson agrees. So how about this? You give me names of some top students willing to work with a team of mine, and we'll look into the sex trafficking issues. But I can't force my staff to care about something that they don't. But I will be more than willing to assist those who do. This is a, a very important issue for me as well. Fine. Calissa pouts, obviously not too happy about this development, but willing to accept it anyways. Yeah, I do agree with Calissa, Leo says. If we have the power to track, perform spells, and do magic, then shouldn't we be helping to heal the world? Shouldn't we be protecting them? Humans can't do it all on their own. There has been a distinct line between humans and mages for thousands of years. Larson solemnly states, Nothing is going to change with a few acts of kindness, but... Calissa Larson then stops. Never mind. She has knowing this isn't the time nor the place. Larson gives her a nod before walking out the door, twirling his pen in his hand. Zink understands where she's coming from. Mages have this immense power to do incredible things and yet they sit idle while humans destroy each other in the world. It's the, if it doesn't come knocking on my door, then it's not my problem type of mentality. However, no matter if mage or human, everyone still breathes the same air and needs life to live. Everyone should help if possible. <sighs> I'm not even in the mood to play games anymore. Calissa huffs 
Out of sight, she leans back onto Leo's bed, referencing the video games that they were about to play. And I should probably go back and feed Midnight. Yeah, I can come with you, Leo offers. Calissa nods. Zink, you want to come with us? Calissa suggests. Nah, Zink declines. I'll stay here, thanks. Calissa and Leo wave him off as they head out. And he gets in bed and try and tries to fall asleep. As Calissa and Leo reach her room, Calissa starts cleaning Midnight's letterbox while Leo starts to play with Midnight. Hey, if campus is on lockdown, how are Chase's siblings able to get on campus without an escort? Calissa asks, and Leo stops playing with the cat. Well, they're former students, Leo shrugs. It's a good question. I never really thought about it. It's just strange, Calissa continues on. We aren't allowed to leave campus. However, my mom hires a new IT guy and allows people to just randomly sign themselves in and walk around campus. Not very safe if you ask me. You're right, Leo agrees. We should talk to her about this, Calissa snorts. My mother is the Antichrist, Calissa complains. I refuse to talk with her. Leo stares as hard as he can muster, and she pokes out her bottom lip in response. Ugh, fine. Calissa throws her hands in the air. Let's get this over with. Thank you. Leo leads the way to the headmistress's chambers. He does the knocking, and after no response, he decides to open the door. Brenda is sitting in her office chair drinking some type of brown liquid. <sighs> when I ignored the knock, that meant not to come in. Brenda swirls her drink around and making eye contact. Then you should have locked the door, Calissa says from behind Leo. Not helping. Leo turns around to whisper at her. She hugs and fills her arms. Listen. How are you treating the situation with the kidnappings? I don't believe I have to tell you that. Brenda finally looks up and takes a slow slip of her drink. My friend was kidnapped and almost died. Leo can feel his face flushing with rage. And you just keep letting people on campus, even though we're doing a lockdown. Do you not care about the students? Do you not care that someone is able to just take and kill without blinking an eye? These are your students you swore to protect. Life goes on. Brenda flings her hands around as some drink goes flying. I'm not going to halt the lives of people just because they can't protect themselves. The weak deserve to die. You want to know the real reason why none of the age 21s have gone missing? Because they specialize in defensive spells. They have fought off several attacks already. What? Leo is floored right now. He had no idea. He was told it was because they didn't have ranks. Do they know who tried to kidnap them? No idea. Brenda goes back to sipping her drink. There's a slight smirk on her lips. So sorry if I don't have sympathy for those too weak to fight off an attack. 
You should be requiring defensive training then for all your students, Calissa yells, and the loudness in her voice takes Leo back a bit. Teach us to defend ourselves. Let us know that the oldest students have been able to fight off attacks. Try to be an actual decent human fucking being for once in your pathetic life, you piece of trash. Whoa. Leo looks at Calissa, who seems to be shaking. Stop with the attacks. Let's just get out of here. Leo looks to Brenda and the woman is livid. Her eyes are darkened and narrow. He speeds up the pace and drags Calissa out of the office. I hate her. Calissa screams into the air. Yeah. Leo snorts. No shit. We could have gotten information out of her, but not anymore. Next time I listen, I'll leave you behind. He shakes his head. <laughs> Calissa doesn't even try to deny it. She just walks off and stews in her own pile of anger. Leo places his hand in the square of Calissa's back as they head down one of the corridors so they can leave. Hold it, Leo halts them. Calissa looks curious as to why they've stopped. However, around the corner, Leo sees Bradley and a strange guy having an argument. That's Maurice, the IT guy. Calissa whispers. Leo leans closer and tries to hear but gets nothing. Bradley looks pissed, however. His hands are gesturing wildly. The Maurice guy is shaking his head and gesturing just as much in return, both faces looking upset. Come on. Calissa pulls Leo away and Leo sees Maurice spot him before they reach a different corridor. They arrive back at Kablis's place soon, and the dorm leader didn't even need Leo's ID. Just said not to make too much trouble. So, Maurice and Bradley know each other. Leo sits on the floor and allows Midnight to crawl in his lap. That's interesting. It also confirms Porter's comment about not trusting Bradley. Calissa hums. Leo smiles. Finally? Leo grins. You're coming around to realize Bradley is shady as hell. You said that about my dad, Calissa laughs and kicks Leo's elbow from where he's perched on her bed. Zink also said that about your dad. I just silently agreed with him, Leo clarifies and gets another laugh out of Calissa in response. I really blew it back there with my mom, huh? Calissa chuckles. Damn. I just get so mad when it comes to her. I can't say I don't blame you, Leo responds. She's pretty awful. I wonder if Larson knows about the defensive spells, Calissa says. Leo thinks about it and pulls out his phone. You gonna text him? Yeah, sure I am, Leo acknowledges. It's true. We don't learn defensive spells until our last year here. So if that's the case, then does that mean whoever is doing the kidnappings didn't know that information? Calissa lays back on the bed. I always suspected a student was doing this, Calissa admits. However, if the people doing the kidnappings truly don't know about the older students, then maybe it's not someone who's already graduated. Because if so, then they would have known. So who is sneaking on our campus? That's even scarier thought. 
It means that someone is powerful enough to take out our cameras and kidnap people and even dump bodies while on campus. All in disguise, Leo shudders at the thought. True. Calissa draws the word out. Or someone who really isn't a student is posing as a student instead. Leo's eyes go wide. It's a good thought. A scary one, but a good one. I wonder, Leo thinks out loud, if your mother is thinking the same thing we are and is merely trying to draw the person out by having them think nothing's wrong, then maybe she's working this from a different angle. Ugh! Calissa complains, I hate that woman, but if she's secretly working to catch this person, then good. In the meantime, we need to find a teacher to teach us defensive, defensive spells, especially Trevor. Yeah, in case he gets attacked again, Leo states. The two spend the rest of the night playing with midnight, talking, and just being with each other. The next morning comes and goes in a flash. School is mundane, and Zink learns of the recent developments from Leo and Calissa. It's now the last period in Zink has study hall. He's been thinking all day that those dead bodies, he's been thinking all day about those dead bodies, but no matter how hard he's tried, he hasn't been able to get a vision. Maybe he's blocking his own mind because he secretly doesn't want to see the images ever again. Then again, he wonders how it's possible to have a vision block like that. It reminds him that Calissa warned him to try and get a vision off of Bradley. Zink thinks about exposing Bradley. He thinks about Bradley's connection with Calissa. He closes his eyes and focuses his energy on the task. He gets nothing. Blank space. He tries again. Nothing. Huh. Zink can't help but ponder. Calissa was right. He wasn't able to get a single vision. Thinking it is strange, Zink walks up to his professor. Hey, Professor Monroe, Zink starts. Is it possible to have my visions blocked? Uh, are you trying to say into someone else's life? The professor raises a brow like he is judging Zink. The kidnapping's going on, Zink whispers. A Detective Larson guy wants me to try and get a vision, but I think it's getting blocked. Zink half lies. Oh, of course. Professor Monroe seems more interested in helping now. Good. If a mage is doing a concealment spell, it can cause interference from those getting a vision off of their actions. However... That concealment spell would have to be very taxing on the body, as it would need to be an ongoing spell. Active, Zink thoughts, thinking he understands. Thank you. Zink walks back to his seat. If Bradley is doing a concealment spell, then he should be getting weaker. Zink will just have to keep an eye out on the team to see if the changes are noticeable. Zink also thinks this is why students are going missing. The person who blocked Zink before. They must have needed a power boost to sustain their draining energy. Power boost can come from strong mages joining in on a coven. A power boost can also come from something like an enhanced elixir. Zink's eyes go wide as his thoughts start whirling a mile a minute. Imani may might have been a test subject. If so, she might still be monitored by them in case whomever took her wants to see the side effects of the elixir before they try it on themselves.
Zink knows he has to share this with the others. He goes back to his seat for now, though, before another thought pops in his head. He immediately goes to Professor again. Hey, Professor, another question. Zink just remembers something. Uh, sure, my response. Is it possible to perform a memory wipe spell in less than five minutes? Zink asks, thinking about Trevor. He was near death when found, but the doctors think he was being choked mere minutes before he was found. That means whomever responsible had to do a spell to escape and a spell to wipe Trevor's memory all at the same time, all within mere moments. An experienced mage and a, and a power, if I mind you, can do a memory wipe spell within two minutes if they have a potion. Marmo responds, hmm, a potion, huh? What kind of potion? Zink wonders if this potion is dangerous. Could Trevor be at risk right now? Not entirely sure. Monroe admits, this isn't my area of expertise, Zink. But if this helps with those kidnappings, then I can have a response to you in a couple of days. Zink smiles. Thanks, Professor. Zink goes back to his seat, and that's that. In a couple of days, he might have a better understanding as to who these kidnapping kidnappers are. Besides being powerful, of course. They are calculative and have access to dangerous spells and potions. They must be on someone's radar. He just has to figure out who. Zink. Monroe calls his name just as the bell rings. Students start piling out and bump into him as he walks back up to the desk. I just got an email. Report to headmistress's office now. Zink raises a questioning brow, but does as told. He gets stopped a few times by fellow students before he arrives to the office, seeing Christina already sitting down in one of the chairs. I haven't seen you since the whole Georgia thing with Porter, Christina states. Zink comes in re return. You still able to get visions without touching an object? She says it like it's a bitter taste in her mouth. Yep, Zink smirks. Interesting. Christina crosses her legs and glares. Enough. Headmistress Truman waves her hand and stands up as she can walk to the front desk, sitting on the edge of it, facing the two students. I called you two here for a reason. The door opens and in walks Yolanda and Tommy, Chase's siblings. Hey, you two. Zink greets with a wave. Yolanda comes and hugs Zink from behind. His head being pressed um, into her chest. Hey, Z. Tommy greets with a slapping of the hand. Figured you'd be the one to help us. I use your seer as stuck working on a case for the FBI. This is Yolanda and Tommy Watson. And Mitchell Stroman explains what they are. <sighs> they are requesting the help of you two on a case they are working on. She sounds bored. What case? Christina looks interested. This does not leave this room. Tommy starts. There's a hostile mage group forming, and their end result is opening the veil to the demon world, we think. It's said that those who can capture a demon and merge with it will have immense power that surpasses even that of an immortal. Or think they're druids. Jesus! 
Christina looks both terrified and intrigued. The immortals have gone missing. Have they been trying to stop this group? Zink questions. Yolanda looks surprised. Yeah, Tommy nods. You've heard of this? Yes, Zink says without blinking. Bradley Kelp told me that the group behind the killings are really an anti-immortal group and have been killing immortals for their blood. Tommy scoffs and Yolanda snorts. You believe something so ridiculous? Tommy giggles behind his hand. Zink shrugs. It sounded convincing. Zink recalls the conversation he had with Bradley. It made sense why Calissa would be on the radar then of this group, wanting her for her necromancer abilities. However, if they simply want to open the veil to the demon world, then why need Calissa? This Bradley guy, Yolanda hums as she begins talking. Who is he? He's the guy Leo doesn't like because he's always around Calissa, Zink admits. He chances looking at the headmistress and notice the woman has a slight uptick of her lip. I might want to talk with him, see why he's giving out this kind of information. Tommy looks to his sister and then back to Zink. For now, we need for the two of you to test this fabric and see what you can get off of it. We found it in an old factory basement in Oklahoma last week. Several bodies were discovered. It didn't make the news, Calissa Christina responds, and Zink feels floored. His chest feels tight. Were there around 15 bodies? Zink questions. Tommy looks shocked. 16? Why? Yolanda answers with her eyes narrowed. Were they naked? Zink fires off next. All right. Now, how do you... I saw it in a vision. Zink interrupts Tommy's speech. Last night, I had a vision around 15 bodies all naked with burn marks in the middle of their chest. They were dead. And then someone let, a, they let them on fire. Did you see who did it? Yolanda grabs Zink by the shoulders. No, they were darkened out like they were doing a concealment spell to protect their face. Zink leans back to get out of her hold. Fuck. Yolanda whispers under her breath. What were you doing when you got that vision? Tommy inquires. Looking at the news, they were doing a report on missing people in white vans. Zing responds. Tommy hums as he closes his eyes. Let me see the cloth. Christina opens her eyes. I'll see if I can get a better vision. She grabs the fabric and closes her eyes, her eyes clenching the material tightly. It's about five minutes until she actually comes out of the vision. That was long, Tommy says, looking worried. I felt like I was getting sucked in. Christina grabs at her chest. Yeah, I felt the same way, Zink admits. It was hard to pull out of. There's definitely some type of magic going on in here. That's some seriously dangerous magic they're messing with. Yolanda whistles. I fear they are using modern-day science mixed with ancient alchemy and dark magic, Tommy tells his sister. Can't they just do blood spells to get the demon door to open? Zink questions. No, no, just too unpredictable. Tommy shakes his head. You don't know which veil is going to open and you can't control what comes out when you do blood spells. This is something targeted. It's something specific. It's like those scientists who are trying to recreate the God particle. Tearing the door open themselves to take their time peeking around. 
It's never been done before. The magical science world is reeling right now. I think we should allow this one to tell us her vision. Yolanda interrupts off pointing to Christina. Um, Christina looks rattled. And Zink wonders what she saw. Maybe you should try and get another vision. I'm not sure. She chills off and Zink swallows. He takes the cloth and closes his eyes. Does everyone in here understand why you are here? A voice from what sounds like an intercom announces. There are 16 people in the room, all wearing white shirts and pants. Yes, they all chant at once, except for a baby who's clinging to his mother's shirt. Your sacrifice will be the start of a new movement, the voice states. Your souls will be placed in a better body, an immortal body, where you will live the rest of your life powerful and happy. So go ahead, line up to get marked. They begin lining up one by one. A circular metal rod is stuck in fire and then placed in the middle of their chest. Even the baby. Zink wants to throw up, but he can't. He feels like he's getting stuck in the vision. He pulls hard and finally gets released. Shit. Zink wipes a hand down his face. Did you see them lining up willingly? Christina asks and Zink nods. Well, share with the class. Have Mrs. brings them out of their own world. It's hard to pull out a vision, just go back to the flow. Seeing things takes a toll on the body and the mind, especially when what you see is so hard to comprehend. It's more than just seeing a moment. It's experiencing their emotions at the time as well. They, uh, they willingly died, Zink tells them in a somber tone. They were told they would get their souls placed in an immortal body. Which is why I'm assuming the immortals are being killed for their bodies. Well, damn. Tommy collapses in a nearby chair. Didn't think that this could be worse than we expected. But here we are. Oh my god, they have a necromancer. Yolanda covers her mouth. There's no telling if putting a spirit into a body of an immortal will make that person an immortal as well as ludicrous. I thought necromancers were rounded up. Where did they find one? Christina shakes her head. Maybe they haven't yet. Zink thinks about Calissa. His eyes meet the headmistress's for a brief moment, and he sees something flicker in her eyes. What do you mean? Tommy asks. It's nothing. Zink backtracks. You're thinking out loud. Zink stands. I have to get going. Hey, if you know something, then tell us. Yolanda grabs his arm. Zink shakes out of the hole. I have to go. I don't know anything more, anything else. Zink leaves and he knows he's left them with more questions than answers. But his mind is going to Malamin at the moment. Is this her plan? Have Calissa grow stronger until necromancer abilities until she can perfect soul transfer? If so, then how do they know she can do this? When will she be ready to them? Zink heads to the side courtyard so he can go to the library. As he's walking, he suddenly freezes in his tracks. In front of him is Porter, who is talking to Professor Lyman. Did you tell warn them about Bradley? Zink hears Professor Lyman ask. Yeah, but I don't know if they believe me or not. Porter rubs at his chin. The teen starts to look around and Zink makes himself scarce. 
He quickly heads back to the dorm, and after being alone for an hour, his phone rings. Is Leo telling him that Trevor was attacked?